Good evening, everyone. My name is Kadir Ratnavele. I'm a senior product manager with Amazon Web Services. And we also have Melvin today from Zendesk. And together, we are going to share some tools and best practices on how to build scalable multi-tenant solutions. Today, I'm going to share with you the tools and, and the features that you can use to build multi-tenant solution. And in, in particular, we are going to look at a feature called Reputation Dashboard, which will help you monitor and enforce compliance on an individual account level. And Melvin is going to talk about Zendesk's journey on how they, the problems they had and how they uh, are using uh, Amazon SES to solve those use cases and the problems. Before we start, I want to talk to you guys about the challenges with emails sending in general. Every day, around 85% of emails that get generated in the world are spam. So inbox providers like Gmail and Hotmail, they have built sophisticated anti-spam solutions to block those emails getting to their end recipients. And to do that, they look at multiple signals. And the email address, the email IP address that is sending the email, and the domain that is sending that email are one of the important ones. And also, some sophisticated inbox providers start to look at the engagement of those emails as well. If you, some email that might land in the inbox for me might land in the junk because of my engagement to that email. So it's a really complex, and the reputation is really important, both as a sender and the IP that is sending it. And to know whether your customers are engaging with those emails, you need to look at their complaint, whether they think your email is still valid for them, whether they enjoy the content. And building that compliant feedback loop is really complex. You need to build it with each and every ISP, the mailbox providers, and then you have to process them. And it's an undifferentiated heavy lifting that's taking you away from your business. And taking you away from the features that, could, that you could build for your customers. And that's where Amazon SES comes in. And in a multi-tenant environment, it's exponentially complex. When I say multi-tenant, it could be unique businesses. The companies like Zendesk, where they enable businesses uh, to send emails on behalf of their customers. And also internal teams, like if you have a marketing team or a different marketing programs, they are tenants as well. And when you have those multi-tenants, that environment, it gets exponentially complex because the email, the reputation needs to be stronger for the emails to land in the inbox. But the maturity of the tenants varies. Do they have a good list? Do they scrub? Some tenants might, have a, might proactively scrub their list, might proactively take out the unengaged senders and send emails to only highly engaged customers. But some might have a list that's three years old, and then they will try to send it, which will generate bounces, and that will lead to your reputation going down. And also, can you trust them? Uh, do you know whether you can trust your senders when they're on board, and whether they are using your platform to take advantage of you? Or are they just trying to onboard, and they had to develop trust with you? So it's very complex, and you have to look at all of that, because your bad, one bad sender might affect the sending of all your customers. If they send emails that are not highly high quality and are highly engaged, it will damage the reputation of all of your customers, and then it will affect. So you need to build systems in place to monitor the reputation of each and every sender. And that's really hard, especially to know whether your senders are sending high quality emails and also enforcing complaints in the real time. 
Amazon SES was built out of the Amazon retail's necessity to send high volume of emails. Uh, seven years ago, we realized that there is benefit to, to get this product out for our other customers. So that's how Amazon SES came into play. I'm not going to talk about why you should use Amazon SES. Uh, Melvin is going to do the convincing on my behalf. Uh, so I'm just going to go right into why you should use Amazon SES for a multi-tenant solution and what are the tools that we have in place to help you do that. This year we focused on eight significant features that are targeted at the high volume senders. And we have made it easy for you to send high, high quality emails and at the same time know, configure the environment so you can segregate the reputation by individual customers. And we will go into detail on each and every one of them. Configuration set. Configuration set is a very important construct for Amazon SES. Everything we have built and we are going to build are based, will be based on configuration set. In a nutshell, on a very high level, configuration set, think of it as a group of settings. You, for example, if you want to track open and clicks, you create a configuration set and enable open and clicks. And then all the emails that you send by just mentioning the configuration set name will have the open and clicks enabled. So it's like a settings template. And we are using that and we have built this so you can provide a customized experience for each and every one of your customers. Take for example, let's use a enterprise use case. They, have, they send marketing emails, they send transactional emails, and they will also send uh, the lifecycle emails, right? So you want the transactional emails to reach your customers. They are the order updates, the password research, and the lifecycle emails are the abandoned cart emails, those kind of emails, and then your marketing emails. So you might want to configure different settings for them. You might want to track open and clicks for your marketing email, but you don't want to track that, for example, if you don't want to. So you create two different configuration sets. And when you send the emails out, you apply that configuration set to those emails, and then you will get those. Uh, your marketing emails will have open and clicks enabled. Your transaction emails might not. And you can add more things to your configuration sets. For example, you can uh, add open and clicks. You can also customize the domain. You, uh, the white label, override the white label of your uh, open and click tracking. So with this, with configuration set, you can define your sender's settings, and you can have it by ind individual customers. With that, what you can do is you are building a, a settings for your emails, your email, customers using your emails individually. And you can, we also added Amazon SNS as a channel as well. And you can also specify the IP that is going to send that email. By IP, I meant dedicated IPs. By default, when you start using Amazon SES, you will use the shared IPs. With the shared IPs, the reputation is combined. All your customers will have the same, uh, will use the same IP, and the reputation and the quality of the sending might affect your reputation as well. So if you want to isolate your reputation, you should use dedicated IPs. By using dedicated IPs, you are isolating your reputation to just your e emails. And when you have multiple IPs, and in a big multi-tenant architecture, you can group them together 
by creating groups. And you can specify which email should use that particular set of IPs. Say, for example, you might want to have all your marketing emails go through one set of IP, and the rest of the transactional and all of the emails might go through different IP. That's you are segregating the reputation of each and everything. And in a multi-tenant architecture, you can also use that. Say, for example, you might have new users who just onboarded or very early in the life cycle, and you might want to have them on a low reputation tier. And you can build, using this feature, you can build very sophisticated reputation within your own set of IP groups. And you can also do that by customers sending small quality emails or, or a high volume of emails. You can segregate them in, a, in various ways. And how to use it is by using configuration set. You create a dedicated IP pool, you name it, you add IPs to it, and then you add it to a configuration set. So when, uh, when you're, whenever you're sending emails, you just nominate that configuration set, and that IP, the group of IP that you nominate will be the ones that will be used to send those email address, uh, the emails. I cringe when I say hidden feature. As a product manager, everything should be self-explanatory, but it's one of the uh, benefit. A nice tip is that uh, using the same account with configuration set, you can use uh, both dedicated IPs and also shared IPs. So you might want to take advantage of that. If you have a sp sending spike, you might want to use the shared IPs, which are already warmed up in terms of reputation, and then you'll be able to send high-quality emails through that. So now that you have configured your email enrollment and isolated the reputation, we added a couple of features this year that will help you send high volume of emails. We enabled uh, a way for you to store email templates with variables. And at the time of sending, you'll be able to pass in a value and thus personalizing the emails on the send time. And you can also, we also created two different emails. And using the send bulk templated email, you can send up to 50 unique emails. Previously, before this feature, you can send one email at a time, personalized email. So now that we have configured the enrollment, we started sending. That's where the reputation comes into play. How do you monitor the reputation? Amazon SES, we enforce probation and suspension if, the if some of the key attributes to your account goes out. And, and two prominent ones are bounces and compliance rate. If your bounces and compliance rate go up a certain threshold, we will suspend your account, suspend your sending, or put you in probation and give you time to, to heal. Or if, or if we see excessive bounces, we might suspend it, and then you might, we might ask you to give further explanation. We never expose that information. And in August, we launched this feature called Reputation Dashboard that started exposing that. Every 15 minutes, we calculate your reputation, and then we will start, we started exposing that on your SES console. So with this feature, you know how good your sending is, and you can use it to improve your sending. But that's only working on, works on a high-level account, right, but not individual customers or, or tenants. So we extended this feature to, to get this metrics by a configuration set. We launched this feature a couple of weeks ago, where you'll be able to track these bounces and complaints by a configuration set. And we also, at the same time, we also launched a feature called POS. So you can automatically, you can call the POS API, and then you, you'll be able to 
pass the email. So using these, you can individually monitor your customer. You can understand their sending and how they are sending. And you can use the POS API to automatically pass them and enforce on them if they're sending the quality goes bad. And the next part of that is, I'm going to show you a different way, a way to do that. Before we step back, this is how it works. So we send emails, and we get a bunch of feedback from the mailbox providers. And then we use all that, and then we, we come up with your reputation scores, the bounce rate and compliant rate, and then we push it to CloudWatch. And CloudWatch is an optional feature that you can get the metrics into your CloudWatch account. And using that, you can set up monitoring. So you can acti actively monitor your overall account sending and how you are trending. So you can create alarms on it, and you can get notifications via SMS or, or email or even push notification on how your account is doing. And the recommended threshold we like you to use is 5% for bounce rate and 0.1% for compliant rate. And it's good that you are getting the visibility to your sending, but how can you use it to automatically pass it? So one way to do that, it's better explained here, it's, it's much more obvious, is to using uh, Lambda to trigger the pass API. So what you are doing is Amazon SES gives you the metrics, and then you can that goes into your CloudWatch account. And from your CloudWatch account, you can create alarm. Whenever it goes above a certain threshold, threshold say for example, 5% bounce rate, it will, trigger, it, it will trigger a notification to an SNS topic. An SNS topic, you can do two things. One, it will notify via SMS or email. And then it will also execute a Lambda account. And by executing to the Lambda, you can pause the email sending. I'm going to, it looks, yes, I know you had to go through three or four different things, but it's very easy to set up. You can do that in three minutes, and I'm going to show you that. To avoid the demo curse, and also to to have one of my colleagues in spirit, we made a video. You can use the Amazon SES API to pause email sending across your entire account or for specific configuration sets. By combining this capability with Amazon CloudWatch, Amazon SNS, and AWS Lambda, you can create a solution that automatically pauses your email sending when your reputation metrics exceed certain thresholds that you define. In this example, we'll create a Lambda function that pauses email sending across an entire account when the bounce rate exceeds 5%. The first step is to create a Lambda function. In Lambda, you'll find a blueprint that makes it easy to get started. The Amazon SES developer guide also includes an example Lambda function if you prefer to create the function yourself. Once you've created and tested the Lambda function, you need to create an Amazon SNS topic. Next, create a subscription to that topic that refers to the Lambda function you just created.
It's also a good idea to subscribe an email or SMS endpoint to the topic so that you receive a notification when your accountability to send email has been paused. Next, create an alarm in Amazon CloudWatch. Choose the metric you want to alarm on. In this case, we'll choose reputation.bounce rate. We'll set the threshold to 0.05 or 5%. Finally, we'll tell the alarm what to do when it's triggered. In this case, we'll notify the SNS topic that we created earlier. When a notification is sent to that topic, it will trigger the execution of our Lambda function. We can use the AWS CLI to test this function. First, we'll use the get account sending enabled operation in the Amazon SCS API to verify that email sending is currently enabled for our account. This operation returns true, which indicates that sending is enabled. Next, we can use the set alarm state operation in the CloudWatch API to force the alarm to enter the alarm state. Now, if we use the get account sending enabled operation again, we'll see that the status is false. If we try to send an email, we see a message stating that email sending is currently disabled. Finally, we can restore email sending by using the update account sending enabled operation. Now, when we attempt to send an email, it works as expected. So it's pretty easy to, to create alarm, and then you can pause and unpause your emails. But before you unpause, there are a couple of things you need to watch out for. When you unpause, the threshold might, you might be just below the threshold level. That will trigger the alarms again. So you might want to adjust them before you unpause it. You might want to increase them by 2% or something like that, and then re-enable the alarm, and then start sending again. And then once your sending is healed, then you can reduce it back down. And also, we also recommend you to continually monitor it so you know when uh, you can adjust them and you know your, the tolerance for your reputation or your enforcements. This works on an account level, but doing that on a per individual account level or a, your customer level is pretty much the same. What we will do, we will, all you had to do is use a configuration set. Whenever you send an email with that configuration set, the reputation metrics, the bounces, the bounce and the compliant rate will have that cloud, the configuration set's name in that dimension as one of the dimensions. So if you want to unpause, all you have to do is call a different API, which is configuration set unpause status, and then you, you pause in the configuration name, and then you say whether it's true or false, and then that will pause just that email sending for all of the emails using that configuration set, while rest of your accounts using a different configuration set or not using configuration set will be still be able to send emails out. The pretty much the setup is simple. When you're sending emails, use a configuration set, and then we will provide the 
sending metric with that configuration set and the same setup as we previously discussed, but all you had to do is use the update account sending enable and uh, I and use it. And with that, we have you have outsourced all of your sending to Amazon SES. We will we are giving you the visibility to your sending, to your customer's sending. And then we are also giving you how they are using it to track it and how they are how they are when the sending deteriorates, we will also give you the tools to, to pause your sending. And with all this stuff, Zendesk has built a solution that Melvin is going to talk about. And then he's going to tell you their use cases, the problem they have solved, and, and how they are using the tools that we saw today. Thanks, Kadir. Um, as Kadir mentioned, I'm going to be talking about uh, Zendesk's journey with using SES. And uh, so, uh, quick introduction. Uh, my name is Melvin Ram. I am the dev lead on the team that basically works on all of the email-related systems at Zendesk. Uh, all the incoming emails, all the outgoing emails are handled by the systems that my team works on. And um, so, I'm going to be walking through the, uh, our journey in uh, a few steps. The, the first thing I'll do is I'll give you a little bit of context on um, who Zendesk is, and um, then I'll go into what our pain points were before we started this journey, and uh, then I'll go into uh, why we ended up actually going with SES. Um, SES was definitely not the only solution that we were considering. We considered uh, pretty much all the uh, top providers and uh, the very specific reasons why we ended up actually choosing uh, SES. And then um, from there, I'm going to go into a little bit more on the architectural overview of what our system looked like once we had SES actually included in. And so um, I'm hoping to kind of cover some stuff that you guys might be facing, some problems that you guys might be facing, and uh, kind of go over why SES was a good fit for us and the, some of the uh, interesting things that we had to do to kind of get it in integrated into our systems. So um, getting started, um, Zendesk, is, what is Zendesk? So uh, Zendesk is a platform for serving your customers throughout their journey um, in dealing with your company. And uh, our most popular uh, channel for providing support to uh, customers through their journey is using email. So uh, email was really important. And uh, our main product, so Zendesk started as a um, one product company called Zendesk, and then we've evolved into uh, multiple products. And today, our main product still remains to be uh, support. So support is a system where your customers can ask for help in a number of different ways, Twitter, email, et cetera. And you can provide personalized help in a way that will build a lasting relationship. So as I mentioned, there's a number of different channels that uh, your customers ask for help uh, on Zendesk support. The most important or the most popular uh, channel happens to be email, but we support like API is a, a really key one, uh, the social media channels. Uh, and so um, when I'm, I'm saying it's our most popular channel, um, that means that for uh, our 
company, email is really critical. So we send and receive hundreds of millions of emails each month. And when there is a problem with sending emails, we, we consider that what we call a red alert event. It's basically where everything stops and we have to fix the problem immediately. Because when Zendesk can't send emails, it basically means that we're causing disruption for thousands of co uh, companies. And so uh, we take that really seriously. And the reason I'm bringing all of this up is that I, I wanted to kind of highlight, like, we treat email reliability incredibly seriously. And um, email infrastructure changes are not done on a whim. We do it very strategically, uh, thoughtfully, and very cautiously. And so keep this in mind as we go through some of the problems uh, that we were previously facing and um, the actual way that we implemented SES to uh, make it work well in our system. So um, as I mentioned, we started uh, this journey to solve some real problems. And uh, before we dive into these real problems, I kind of need you guys to understand a little bit about our basic infrastructure. So Zendesk systems are deployed on what we call pods. A pod is a configuration set. Basically, it defines here are the different types of systems that are going to be running in this pod. So you might have uh, four inbound mail servers, uh, five outbound servers, etc. It's just a, con a configuration of different uh, systems that always will be running inside a pod. So a pod is not a data center. It, a pod can fit into a data center. So they're in one data center, there might be multiple pods. So this part is important just for some context uh, that will come a little later. All right. So now let's kind of dive into some of the problems that we were facing. So the first problem was that maintaining email infrastructure is expensive and it's riddled with a lot of different dangers. And uh, let's go through uh, some of these. So when you're maintaining your own email infrastructure, you're always having to monitor blacklists and keep a number of IPs in reserve just in case there is a major blacklisting event that happens. And when there is a <laughs> blacklisting event that happens, if there are repeat events that happen with the same IPs, there's a long schedule for actually getting them back off of the blacklist. And so this problem only gets worse with time. Next up is for a number of our customers, we have contracts in place that require us to basically keep a copy of outgoing emails in place for both forensic and auditing purposes. And so this sounds trivial, like just keep a copy of it on some log server or like put it onto S3. But at the, at the scale that we're working at, it actually ends up being quite a ordeal. And so uh, this was a pain that we wanted to uh, solve um, as well. And uh, finally, we're a very fast growing company. And so with that growth comes this need for extra capacity. And adding boxes in data centers is expensive, as pretty much everybody knows. Um, and the turnaround time for doing so is actually slow. And it's slow relative to like adding boxes onto AWS, right? And so um, 
being able to send emails from data centers requires having more boxes if you need to send more emails uh, over time. And so uh, this was also a problem that we were facing. Um, and as I mentioned, like we're a growing company, and what that means is our spikes are also growing. And so each new spike is actually larger than the previous spike. And so being able to handle these spikes without uh, delays is like a real challenge. And uh, delays are, as I mentioned earlier, like a very serious thing. So we can't have delays, but we can't like not uh, be, we can't uh, constantly be adding boxes as well. So that's like one of the main things that we were uh, trying to solve. So reality number two was we, when you're maintaining your own email infrastructure, there's this danger of accidentally DDoSing yourself. And I know it sounds silly, but this is a real danger that will happen to you, especially as you get to larger scale. So here's a scenario that actually happened. So we send a lot of emails, as I mentioned, and we had a particular large ISP that essentially rate limited us. And so their way of rate limiting was to send a, a bounce email back saying, don't send us an email. So we would send an email to them, and they would say, don't send an email. And then we would send another uh, an email, because there's millions of customers that are using them, and there's millions of those customers that are using uh, companies that we serve. And so they don't know that we can't send emails to them at that point. So they're continuing to send us emails, and we're continuing to reply to them. And what ends up happening is for every email we're sending, we're getting one back. So on top of our normal email load, we're getting tons of bounced emails back. And so it's, it's a real danger of basically when you have this sudden spike of a ton of emails uh, coming all at once from one major provider. Um, it can basically use up all of the connections that you actually have open because that provider will try to use one connection to send all the emails. And so, yeah, your connection is basically gonna be hosed. So, um, or that entire server is gonna be uh, completely hosed. And so they'll try to uh, start a different connection and then that second server will be gone. So, yeah. All right, uh, reality number three was we were, at Zendesk had started a transition to the cloud a couple of years back or a few years back. And as part of that, we built out our uh, first pod on AWS. And when we were doing that, we decided to defer learning how to send emails from an AWS pod. We tried to do it, but as soon as we tried to send emails from an EC2 instance, we quickly realized all the IPs totally suck and we couldn't use it. So what we instead did was we relayed all of our emails coming out from uh, pods that live on AWS to a data center pod and had the data center pod actually send out the emails. So that worked for the time being, but now we decided, all right, we're gonna go all the way. So, okay, no more data centers. What do we use to send out emails? So that was the, that was the challenge that we needed to uh, try and address. And that's kind of what started this entire conversation of like, okay, we need to start looking at providers and options. Um, 
and then reality number four happened. So we had, while we were in the process of actually evaluating different uh, providers, uh, we had a really s persistent set of spammers that found really interesting and clever ways to create abusive accounts in our systems and use it to send out emails in a way that we couldn't immediately shut down without affecting our legitimate customers. And so, like, it, it, this really highlighted, so our ops people are awesome. So we were able to, within a fairly short amount of time, we were able to actually um, figure out a good way to deal with it. But it highlighted a, a problem. Zendesk is a very attractive option for, a, a very attractive target for spammers. So, as I was mentioning, we, we got hit by these creative spammers. Um, and the reason that they were targeting uh, Zendesk is because we send out a ton of transactional emails. So transactional emails are like the good emails, as everybody knows, versus marketing emails. So our IPs, even though they get hit from time to time by uh, really shitty spammers sending, using our system to send out stuff, on the whole, it has a pretty good IP reputation compared to maybe a marketing uh, email provider. And so, like, if they can use us to send out emails, it has a higher chance of actually making it out into inboxes. So, to solve all of these problems, we kind of started evaluating different uh, providers, and our needs were actually quite simple. Um, but it was actually kind of hard to find providers that met all of it. So, first thing we needed was really, really strong reliability. Um, second was we needed help with combating spammers. Um, we weren't sure exactly what we would be able to get, but we knew that it was a problem and we were either gonna get it from our, whoever was gonna send the emails or we were gonna need to build it ourselves. Um, third was we needed to do all of this in a way that was not gonna hurt our legitimate customers. And uh, finally, we needed to continue to obey data locality laws that, because we are a global company that serves co uh, companies in Europe and pretty much all over the world, there's all, a whole bunch of different laws that apply based on geography. And so uh, the most, uh, most interesting ones are the ones that are from Europe. And so uh, this is something that we needed to be able to handle. So based on those criteria, we selected SES. And uh, so I'm gonna go into um, why we ended up choosing SES, but it was like, these are the four reasons that we wanted to uh, select our next provider. So the, the first thing that's interesting, come on, is that SES actually supports multiple regions, similar to many of the AWS products. And so, um, Multiple regions actually is quite interesting. So the first thing that uh, is interesting about it is that it, uh, they have a, come on. All right, it's not working. Um, the, they have a region in uh, uh, Dublin, in Ireland. And this, the data that happens over there and gets processed in that part or in that region does not make it out to the US. And so this allows us to meet the uh, data locality laws by keeping everything centralized over there. The second part that's interesting about it is that by having multiple regions, we're actually able to have 
uh, much greater uh, reliability. And uh, I'll jump into that next. So reliability metrics were something that I was like, that was like one of the key things that I was looking at as I was considering all the different options. So um, AWS, SES was not without fault. When I was actually um, evaluating them, uh, the, they had two major outages in the last 12 months. And one was one hour, and the second one was four hours. It was due to uh, S3 going down. And you probably remember like the entire internet shutting down. Um, <laughs> so uh, like those two things would actually be uh, a deal killer for us because we cannot have that downtime. But they had uh, a few saving graces. The first was each of these outages were limited to a single region. And so what that meant was we could actually build in uh, fallover, failover right into our uh, systems. So if they had a four-hour outage, it would be a non-event for us, which was pretty awesome. The second thing was they were really upfront about all of their reliability metrics. Pretty much all the other providers that we looked at were either upfront and worse in terms of their downtime, or they were not really upfront about their metrics, and they were kind of trying to sugarcoat it. And so as a engineer who's trying to build something that will be reliable, that's just really hard to trust. So um, the fact that it was uh, easy to access was something that uh, uh, worked really in their favor. The second thing was we wanted to ha have help with combating spammers, right? So um, how were we gonna do that? So the feedback data that we get from SES helps us react faster to abusive accounts. So um, some of you guys might already know this, but feedback is basically a JSON data file that contains uh, details about the email that was sent or the, that the feedback is about and uh, details about the event that happened. So a feedback might be this email went out or it might be that somebody clicked on the spam button for this particular email. And so that data coming back to us allows us to build um, systems that basically detect abusive accounts and shuts them down or takes measures to basically prevent them from doing major damage until a human can actually take a look at it. So that's, uh, that's really what we wanted to be able to accomplish. And so based on those two things, uh, well, the, the whole thing kind of fitting together, um, we decided to use AWS SES. And so um, what does that look like in terms of architecture? So here's, here's essentially the different boxes that are involved. Um, I'm gonna go through this a little quickly and then I'm gonna kind of highlight some parts a little later. So here's how it works. So, uh, all right. So right in the middle in the green area, there is a few boxes called apps. So in our current system, these apps, there's multiple apps that actually send out emails. And today, the way that they do that is they, they, they talk to um, Postfix servers that are part of the out cluster. And so they send emails to the out cluster and the out cluster will deliver it to the final destination. When we were considering using SES, we decided we didn't, we, well, 
So we didn't want to switch all the way because it's, you know, it's, it's AWS in that it's reliable, but it's, it's still a new system to us. So we need to build trust with them. Um, and so what we wanted to kind of do this in a gradual way. So instead of having all the apps actually sending the emails to, directly to SES to deliver it to the destination, what we decided to do instead was have the apps send, continue to send the emails to Postfix and have Postfix actually send a subset of those to SES to actually send out. And so we were doing the grouping of which accounts are, uh, sorry, which emails are going out to SES and which ones are going to um, the final destination based on the account that the email is for. So how did we, how does Postfix actually decide should it send, uh, relay the email to SES or should it actually deliver it? So the apps use a common library that basically will add a additional header into the email. The header will indicate which IP pool to actually utilize when sending this email. So if it doesn't have that header, that means send it using our normal internal infrastructure. So when Postfix gets it and that header is not present, it decides, all right, I'm going to go ahead and send it out uh, to the final destination. But if it is present, it will look up the credential that's appropriate for it, and it will then relay the email to SES. So at that point, there's uh, a number of things that SES actually does. So SES, I have no insight into how SES actually works. But here, this is how I imagine it to work. So I believe that they have like a SMTP endpoint, which our Postfix server actually will connect to. And when, when they receive an email at that SMTP endpoint, the very first thing that they do is they'll generate a feedback that they, hey, I got the email that you're trying to send. I'm going to try and send it. So it generates a feedback, and it will um, send that to, or it will generate that event and send that to the uh, feedback generator. And as I mentioned earlier, feedbacks are just JSON files. So uh, when a, uh, actually, so the SMTP endpoint, once it receives it, it generates the, fee uh, the feedback, and then it'll actually try to deliver the actual email. So when it does deliver the email, it will generate another feedback. And uh, so when all of these different feedbacks actually get generated, where do they go? So uh, we have it configured to actually go to S3, and it does that using the Kinesis Firehose. So from S, uh, SES, it goes into Firehose, and from Firehose into S3, and it's, it's not really, it, it's boxes on a chart, but it's not really that complicated. It's just a few configurations in the system. Um, so once the file lands inside S3, uh, we have it invoke a Lambda function. And the Lambda function, what it does is it'll take the feedback JSON and it'll actually just take the important parts that we actually will need in our uh, abuse detection system and it will basically create a new JSON file that is like the minified version of it and then it'll stick it inside SQS. And so there's one per pod and it will, so inside the pod, there is a system that will be basically reading from SQS, pulling the data in, and basically using that information to uh, determine uh, anom anomalies and uh, trends based on 
a number of information that we are gathering from the feedback. So in a nutshell, that's kind of how it works uh, for us. So a couple things to highlight. Um, one is the, the routing of emails based on, based on headers. So we have our, we're working on basically segmenting our customers based on trust levels. And so um, you can kind of think of that as any kind of segmentation that you're really wanting to do. And so um, by having these segmentations, we're now allow, basically able to have a subset of emails actually go to SES versus going using our normal uh, path. And so basically it allows us to transition in a smooth manner rather than like having to go all in right, right up front. So I would highly recommend doing this because this actually simplifies quite a bit of headache uh, in terms of planning. The second thing is uh, the dedicated IP pools uh, based on uh, customer trust levels. So if you guys have, uh, if you're a system that is sending emails on behalf of other people, it's, you're, you're gonna want to group them in some, uh, some way that makes sense. You don't want your customers who have just started a trial to affect a customer who's been with you for 10 years because the customer that's been with you for 10 years has built up a history that indicates like they're not a spammer. So having different de uh, dedicated IP pools totally makes sense because now you're isolating all that risk. So definitely recommend doing that. Uh, final piece that I'll mention is, uh, so DMARC is a system, basically a set of protocols, that or not protocols, it's a set of uh, methodologies that allow a email system to determine whether, what to do with the actual email, uh, whether or not it actually passed authentication, uh, and whether the system that sent the email is uh, allowed to send the email. It uses SPF and DKIM, and getting it to, uh, to pass it with uh, SES is not, it's not that difficult. Basically, you need to make sure that you have the right DNS set up for SPF, you need to make sure you have the right um, identities verified inside SES. And you need to make sure you have the right DNS configured for DKIM. And so if you have those main things set up properly, and their documentation does a, a good job of explaining how you do that, um, it should not be that difficult. So um, I want to kind of leave you guys with uh, three, main uh, three last thoughts. Uh, the first is like, SES has been a, uh, a really good partner uh, in figuring out a number of tricky parts to this. Um, it became much more simpler uh, after we kind of talked through a few things. Um, the second thing is like email reputation really matters. So um, having the segmentation, I would like, there's nothing uh, that I would recommend more. Uh, and finally, Zendesk is hiring. We're hiring at every level. So Zendesk.com forward slash jobs. Go do that. Check it out. Um, we're a great company. <laughs> um, that's it. Uh, Kadir and I are going to be uh, right here next to you guys uh, for any questions. Come say hello. Thanks.